In today's episode, Pastor David answers a bunch of questions that people texted in. We're going to learn a lot, so let's dive in. Here's Pastor David. All right, let's see what else we got here. <laughs> uh, I said the D word, this is what it says. Am I going to hell? Um, sort of kidding, um, but why do people get hung up on language and not the heart? Uh, I have come up across many people that think there are so many rules that make us Christians, yet loving your neighbor as yourself is the greatest commandment. Why do we say to these people, what do we say to these people struggling with this? So I'm going to take, by the way, yes, if you've ever said a bad word, you're going to hell. That's for sure. For sure. I'm kidding, obviously. Um, it's, it's interesting the level to which people who are believers, but it's not really just believers in Christ. You can find this in any group of people. This kind of, the, the idea of, of legalism, pharisaicalism, and so on, yes, we see it in Christianity, but you see it every, in everything. We see it, anything that you go look at, you're going to see it. Okay? Any group of people are going to have their rules, and their rules are going to start to become more important than, than, this, than the spirit and the substance of the thing that they're trying to do. And so what happens is we get so wrapped up in the rules, right? And this is what it means to be a Christian. It started with, I love God. I love Jesus Christ. I'm humbled. I'm, 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 I'm torn apart by the love that Christ has shown me. I have so, so much love for him. And you didn't even know that half the things you were doing were like really bad. And then as you figure that out more and more, your life changed and you became more and more transformed to know Jesus. And then some, for some more people, somewhere in there, there's this thing that clicks over. And as they've done the self-discipline and whatever to follow Jesus more and more and to do the things they're supposed to do, they start to lift up the things that they're doing that they're supposed to do or the things they're not supposed to do that they're not doing as more important than that first thing that was there, that first love, that first incredible, Jesus, I can't believe you saved me. Just this, I was, I was gone, I was dead. I was blind, now I see. And it's gone from that to, did you uh, get perfect attendance in Sunday school this year? Right? Did you make sure that you've never said a bad word? You didn't do that thing, did you? You didn't do that thing, did you? We don't do that. We're Christians, we don't do this and that. And it's like, okay, there's something to be said for living a holy life. Something very important to be said for living a holy life. But what happened to the love and loving your neighbor as yourself. And do, do you not remember who you are? And can you not turn that thing back at yourself and see that you've got issues too? Now, now let me explain something. There's nothing wrong at all with holding each other accountable, especially and primarily in accountability relationships that are voluntary and mutual. Okay? Drive-by accountability is generally not okay. If you don't know what drive-by accountability is, it looks something like this. I don't really know you very well, but you've done something that I don't like. I don't know the reasons why. I don't really know the context of it or whatever. But I come to you and say, you know, I noticed that you said such and such a word, or I noticed that you did such and such a thing, and, you know, uh, I was really offended by that and blah, 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 blah. Right? You don't even know them. You don't know why it happened. You don't know whatever. You have no relationship. Or worse, you see that, and you don't go to them. You go to somebody else. And you say, did you know that so-and-so did such-and-such? And I thought she was a Christian. <laughs> I mean, can you even believe it? Let's pray for her. It was just a prayer request. It's not gossip if it's a prayer request. <laughs> you can get caught up and wrapped up so easily in things. And I've been there. I don't know many Christians that haven't gone through some kind of a phase 
There's some who don't. There's some who just are never tempted by that, but who go through some sort of a phase where I think it has to do something with the fact that you're trying so hard to sort of, you know, live your life for Christ. And eventually you start to be, get some sort of pride in the things that you don't happen to do anymore. Of course, not paying attention at all to the things, the million things you still have to figure out. The million weaknesses that you still have that everyone's putting up with you about, right? So I would just say this, while accountability is important, it should be done. This is why we do life groups, to build those kinds of relationships where accountability can happen, where you can go to somebody and say, hey, listen, you know, there's a, there's a time and a place for that, right? And that should happen because, we, because we're called to live a holy life. But be very careful that your judgment is coming, is not, be careful there's no judgment in it. That's not your job. But be careful that you are not looking down on other people because they don't happen to be good at the things that you happen to be good at. When the truth is, they might be good at all the things that you don't happen to be good at. And they could be doing the same thing to you. And again, we come right back to, as, as the questioner asked, do unto others as you would have them do unto you. Just be very, very careful about who you're judging. Be very, very careful about the judgments that you're making. And I would just say this as an attorney, as someone who's seen stories come together, this person comes in and tells me their side of the story. That client comes in and tells that side of the story. I go into court and we start working down. It's a completely different story. And then the truth is something else. As someone who's seen that, I've more and more come to the point in my life where I don't generally make judgments. And I don't generally take hearsay evidence of, did you hear that this happened? Did you hear that, that thing? That, that kind of thing. I, I tend, to, tend to stay away from those. And the more that you've seen how jacked up all that can be, the more grace that you're going to be able to have for other people and not assume things that are, that are bad. Because here's the other thing. On the, on the flip side of that, when you do that to people, it crushes them. Especially new believers who don't even know. There are, there are new believers who come to Christ and they've got, their life is an absolute disaster from the perspective of a mature believer. Well, of course, they just came to Christ. They don't even know. And people are like, can you even believe the? And so their first experience in church is, can you believe that that person's living with their boyfriend? They didn't even know. They just found Jesus. And you're, and you're wanting them to have somehow have instantly stopped every sin in their life and come and, you know, how about we disciple? Heard that word? That's how it works, right? Do you know who's discipling them? Do you know what they looked like last year? Because there's some people, you know, can you believe what this person put on Facebook? I'm like, what was it? I look at it and I'm like, that's pretty good. Last year it would have been, you know, 14 F words and the picture would have had any clothes on, you know? <laughs> This isn't bad. This is pretty good. I think our church is doing a good job with this person, right? Because you don't know. You don't know where they came from, where they're going. So that's just a warning. And if you want people, you know, we spend all this time preaching the word. We spend all this time going through the philosophies and the, and, and the answers to the questions of the skeptic. But all of that will mean nothing. It will all go down the drain in a heartbeat if what they see is that your heart is one of judgment and harshness. If that's what they experience for people who claim to be Christ followers, it won't matter how much you've proven that Jesus Christ rose from the dead or that God is real. You're going to turn people away. And, and they're going to leave. And they're not going to come back. All right, let's see what we got next. Okay, this one's talking about people who struggle. This is more of like a kind of a church business one, but people who struggle where one spouse in the couple is giving a lot of their time to the church. And the other one is not able to give as much time 
um, or, or is sort of struggling with where they are in their faith or whatever, and sort of the tension that causes, and what should the one who is giving all this time to the church, what should their priority be? Should their priority be to their spouse, or should their priority be to the church? I'll make this one really easy. Your priority goes God, spouse, church. You, you have to take care of your, your spouse, okay? You, you are, now, I'm not saying you leave God, because remember, he was first. God's first, okay? But the, and church is incredibly important. And, and to be in a relationship with, with Christ, you need to be part of his body and working within the context of the church. But some people sell out at a level that, that I, I appreciate. There's less work for me, but it's too much, right? Some people sell out to the church in such a way they're doing so much stuff and, their other, and the other spouse is struggling. And instead, of, and instead of helping bring this person, your other spouse, into uh, a deep relationship with the Lord and whatever, you're spending all your time at the church and the, and the marriage is not, is not strong. And so I would just say you have an obligation husbands and wives, to mutually submit to each other, to mutually help each other move forward. Essentially, your, your job as a spouse is that one day you're going to present this person. You need them to be ready to be presented to Jesus Christ. It's a huge job. It's a huge job. And so you can't get yourself, you've got to take care of your family. You can't get yourself so, and I've, and I've been in this place where you get so locked into ministry and be so busy in ministry. And it's like, you're doing stuff for the Lord. And, at the, and meanwhile, my spouse and my kids are over here and they're not getting any of me because I've put so much of it over here. I can, I can tell you that I know because I've been through this that it's wrong. It's wrong to do that. And so if anyone's struggling with that, you need to take care of your family. Yeah, your, your responsibility from God has, is to your family first. It's to your family first. And so I don't know if that answers your question, but that's all you're getting. All right, let's see. Um, Are we held accountable for the sins, actions, or deeds of the people we associate with if we don't tell them the error of their ways? So you're hanging out with somebody and they're just sinning away and you're not saying anything about it. Um, uh, let, me, let me approach this from a couple directions. The first one is this. Your friends, families, neighbors, whoever sin is not the main problem. It's a symptom of their problem, Okay. Their main problem is they don't know Jesus. Their main problem is that they haven't been transformed in their heart to not want to do those things because of the incredible reckless love, as we sang earlier, of Christ. And they haven't experienced that yet. And so to be super wrapped up on, hey, did you know you shouldn't do this and you know you shouldn't do that? I don't think that that's where I would be. But I would, I would ask the question differently. If you're around your friends all the time and they don't know that you love Jesus and you've never talked about who Jesus is, and you haven't invited them to come be a part of the most important thing in your life, which is your relationship with Jesus Christ, your church, your family, all those things, if that's not part of what you've been doing to your friends, then yes, I would say that that's a problem. I'd say that there's some accountability for that because you're called to make disciples. And so it's not so much that you need to tell them, well, you shouldn't have said that word or you shouldn't have gone to that movie or you shouldn't have, that's not the point. To, 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 to tittle-tattle on their, I don't even know what that word means, it sounds fun, on their, on their stuff, to rain on their, you know, their parade and, and whatever and tell them that all the things that they're doing are sinful. They don't even have a context for that if they don't know who Jesus is. There's not even a context for it. So I would say that your real responsibility is to point them to Jesus Christ and, and to let them know what he's done in your life and let that be the thing that changes their behavior. 
All right, does my desire for salvation, I'm sorry, does my desire for the salvation for my friends and family get God's attention? Much more than it has your attention. Yeah, if you're wondering whether God is paying attention to the fact that you really want your friends and your family saved, yes, because ultimately he loves them more than you do. He wants their salvation more than even you do. And so as you're praying, he's working. Now people have a will, right? People have a will, but God is working. God does care about your family and your friends that you care about getting saved, for sure. All right, let's see here. I don't like confrontation, so it is very challenging for me to invite my family to church without a lot of pushback. How do I start to tackle this issue? Um, again, I'm going to take a couple, couple directions. This One is this. As a believer in Jesus Christ, you are by definition in confrontation with the world. So just so you know, as a believer in Jesus Christ, you have to understand that, that, that Christ's, the, the, the truth claims of Christ, who he is and what he's done and, 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 and who God is, turns everything about the way most of the world works upside down. And so you are by your very nature at confrontation with the world. So there will be confrontation. There will be persecution. There will be difficulty in that. Now, what that persecution looks like, what that confrontation looks like, I don't think that you should be out seeking confrontation. I don't think that you should be a confrontational person, but you will have some. So ha but having said that, your family is much more likely to be, or your friends are much more likely to be attracted. Once you've invited them to church, you let them know with some regularity that that option is open. They're much more likely to be attracted by who God is making you than they are by just a simple invitation all the time. You know, or you ask them what it, what it is that they're looking for in life, or you connect with them at, at a deeper level. Instead of, instead of, hey, I need you to wholesale take the Bible and believe it all and believe in Jesus and whatever. How about, what are they really struggling with? You know, I, this is one of those ones you just got to let the Holy Spirit move you. You got to let the Holy Spirit move you with people when you're, trying to, when you're trying to evangelize, when you're trying to make disciples for Christ. They're his disciples and he, he'll give you whether this is the time to say you should come to church or not. You know, for a lot of you, you know what it feels like. Where you have that feeling like, I know I'm supposed to invite this person to church. I know I, I know I need to do it. I know that God wants me to do that. You know what that feels like, right? Do it when that time comes. And then there's times where maybe it's just you pushing it. And instead of that, maybe you just need to say, hey, is there something I can be praying for you about? Or can I tell you what, what just, what's been happening in my life and, 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 and the way that God's been working in my life? Like, is that going to offend you if I just kind of tell you what I feel like God has been doing for me? Because they need to be attracted to Christ, right? Not just coming to church because you made them do it. Now, having said that, make them do it, right? Because they can come here and get attracted to Christ too, but you're much more likely to draw them if they can see that it's changed you. Especially your family who knows who you were, right? They've read your mail. If they can see that Christ has changed your heart, they're much more likely to be drawn to church than confronting them about it or getting into a confrontational thing with them. All right, let's see what else we got. How do I respond when someone who isn't a believer tells me I'm fake, doesn't take me seriously, blows me off because I have tattoos and or piercings? And what is Acts Church view on tattoos, piercings in a religious way? My issue on piercings and tattoos is be wise. And you just have to take it from there. <laughs> I mean, but there is something to be said if you want a job, young people, for probably not tattooing something across the front of your face. So there's wisdom about tattooing, okay? Um, 
piercings, the same thing. Uh, look, uh, I don't think that that's the main thing in this world that God is real worked up about. Um, I think we got, I think we've got bigger problems than whether or not you put a butterfly tramp stamp on yourself, right? Just <laughs> let me tell you, that thing's forever, okay? Um, so keep that in mind because your body's not always going to look the same either. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that butterfly going to metamorphosize <laughs> into something, okay? <laughs> Why do you have a retarded elephant on your back, Mom? <laughs> It didn't used to look like that. Um, I'm going to leave that one there. Uh, <laughs> how, do I, how do I help a friend as a Christian dealing with severe anxiety and depression um, when I don't know how to approach it or understand everything? Um, that's, a, that's an interesting one. Um, this is an interesting topic, and we've done some talking on it. If you get a chance and you haven't heard Glenn's sermon from, what was it, February, March, Glenn? I don't remember when it was but he did a sermon, um, specifically a message on anxiety and depression. Um, that's a resource worth listening to, worth looking at. And look up Acts Church, you can find that. We also did a podcast on it. If you go to our podcast channel, we did it on anxiety and depression. There's probably not more that I can say in this time than what we kind of handled there. So I'm gonna kind of leave that one there, but those resources are there. It is complicated. It is difficult to understand. It is hard to counsel people through. It is. Um, but let me just tell you this. There's nothing to help anxiety, fear, shame, those kinds of issues, like knowing that God is for you. And like knowing that you can trust him. All, all of those things, the, the fear, the anxiety, the depression, the pain. You know, there's, there's a song that we sing sometimes here, the lion and the lamb. And it says, who can stop the Lord Almighty? You know, you say, they sing that a few times, that's the bridge. Who can stop the Lord Almighty? Listen, if you're struggling with those things, those are, those are the things that need to be in the front of your head, right? You need to read through the Psalms where the psalmist will talk about how, how God's got him, how, how he can be trusted, how your enemies cannot come against you when you're God. If God is for us, who can be against us? Right, and if you're if you're dealing with anxiety, depression, and so on, it doesn't. There are physical aspects to that that are from the fall, stuff that has to do with your brain chemistry and whatever. And there are feelings that are associated with that. Okay, this is a medical thing. I am not a medical doctor. There are feelings that are associated with that. But but as far as what's happening here, what's happening at the place of mind, at the place of soul, what's happening there? If your if your heart is a hundred percent focused on God and believing and trusting that he is who he says he is. You will make it. You will make it through that day, through that time, through that difficulty. If you'd like to listen to our podcasts on anxiety, there are four episodes, number 38 through 41. So just scroll back in the list and check those out. They really are great, by the way. And if these questions have brought to mind other questions, I'd encourage you to check out our website, SeekingSkeptics.com, where you'll find all the teaching by Pastor David from all these Skeptics series, and we hope you'll find the answers there. And if not, give us a call at 360-885-9000, or use email info at axchurchnw.org. Thanks for listening. And I hope you'll check out our next episode for more great Bible teaching here on Contemplate.